Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, Romans 8 and 1, and, um, and we'll jump in there tonight. There's um, a lot that I want to, you know, to, to teach you and, and, and present to you tonight. Um, I don't know how much of it we'll get to, as, as always, you know, Lord willing, we'll, uh, you know, it's what he leads us to do, we'll do it next week. Um, but I do want to mention as we begin tonight that this is a piece of a bigger puzzle. Um, in other words, we're going to talk about some things tonight that we're actually laying a foundation uh, so that we can build on it uh, later. And we've been doing that for a week or two, so if you weren't here last Wednesday night or the Wednesday night before that, it's okay. We'll try to bring you up to speed best we can. But I'll go ahead and tell you that we're looking at what the Bible says concerning Jesus, the eternal Son of God, becoming a man, becoming a human being. Now, notice I emphasize we're looking at what the Bible says because there are a lot of opinions that people have about this. There's a lot of different arguments. This is a, a, a highly debated, highly contested subject um, in, a, in a lot of different places in the body of Christ. And, you know, I, I guess in you know, my early days when I was learning, I got caught up in some of those arguments. And, um, and like so many things... If you'll look at what the Word says, then it will settle any dispute. It'll, it'll settle any argument. And so part of why people hold on to a belief or an opinion about this that is not supported by the Word of God is because they have a hard time ascribing or assigning humanity to Jesus. And, and so um, I've, I've said this a couple of different ways, and I'll, I'll say it again as we begin tonight. If Jesus did what he did on this earth as God, then certainly we're thankful for that and, and whatever that means to us as far as making a difference in our lives, we're grateful for that. But if he did what he did as a man, like as we are, then to me it's not taking anything away from him to say that he did it as a man, but it's just the opposite. We're adding to him. In other words, what's the greater accomplishment? For God to do it as God or for God to become a man and do it as a man. And of course what we're going to see is that our, our salvation, our redemption, our position now in Christ is based upon him becoming a man and doing what he did as a man. So Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is therefore now... No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the condemnation that he's talking about here is we were condemned to eternal death. Okay, We, we were already condemned. The Bible makes it clear in John the third chapter, Jesus did not come to condemn this world. He came so that this world could be saved, so that we could be delivered from the condemnation we were already under because of Adam's sin and being born of his corrupted seed. So, you know, simple trivia question, you can ask, you know, how many people will Jesus condemn to hell? And the answer is zero. Um, we were already condemned to a devil's hell. He came to provide a way out of that for us. So if you're in Christ Jesus tonight, that's why he's saying there is no condemnation. If you are not in Christ Jesus tonight, the Bible says the wrath of God, eternal damnation in hell, now and remains on you. The only way out from under that is to get out from under it through Jesus. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, and if you've been born again, has made you free from the law of sin and death. 
But notice how this was written by the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you read this, He wants you to personalize it. That He has made me free. Not just made believers free, not just made people been born again free, but personalized. It has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And I love that phrase right there. He condemned sin in the flesh. Not just so He could do it and say, look, I did it. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Now the Lord spoke something to me um, it was either towards the end of last year or beginning of this one. It kind of, if you're like me, the older you get, everything kind of bleeds together. But amen. Not too many months ago, the Lord spoke a simple phrase to me that has really stuck with me. And he said this He said, The rules can't save you. The rules can't save you. Now, you know, God created us all different, and people have different personalities. That has to do with, you know, what, what you would maybe refer to as nature and nurture, you know. Um, the, the seed that made you and then the way you were raised. And, um, but I, I am, I, I'm a, a compliance guy. In other words, um, I, I've often said it this way, I came out of my mother's womb looking for somebody to please, you know. And um, I'm a rule follower. Uh, and, um, you know, again, that's, that's kind of how I'm hardwired. But, but see, now what the devil wants to do is take that and use that against me so that I would become passive, I would become more interested in pleasing people than God, um, so that I would not you know, want to take the risks necessary that faith sometimes calls for. And so this was very important to me because for many years in my life, I believed that my salvation was dependent upon, thank God for Jesus, thank you, thank you for forgiving me, Lord, but that my salvation and ultimate entrance into heaven was based upon my obeying the rules that God had given but the Bible makes it very clear that God's rules were perfect, but we could never keep them because the law of Moses reveals something else in us, a hidden law that the Bible calls the law of sin and death. And so the law of sin and death kept us pinned down, and because of it, um, we could never rise to the standard that God required, the right or righteous standard God required. Amen or oh me, but I'm telling you the truth tonight. So the rules can't save you. God never meant for the rules to save you. He meant for the rules to reveal to you this thing in your flesh called the law of sin and death. Now, here's another way of saying it. The law could not free us from condemnation because the law of sin and death in our flesh kept us from being able to rise to that standard. But remember that what the law could not do, God did by sending His Son. Amen? And the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, last part of verse number 2, has now made me free from the law of sin and death. So Jesus brought a new law. He's a new sheriff, right? Brought a new sheriff in town. Brought a new law that if we learn how to live our lives according to the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus... Amen. Another light, right? We're going to replace that one too. Everybody that just looked at it. Praise God. Amen. We are saving energy. Yeah. Amen. The other thing too, and it's just in time for summer, the, these lights put off tremendous heat. And so the LEDs will be much, much cooler and hopefully help us throughout the summer. So 
Amen. God is good. Now, I was somewhere in Romans. I don't know. I know where I was. Amen. <laughs> it's funny, Tickles. Every, every time it does that, you know, people... Bryce isn't here tonight, so I can talk about him. No, I'm kidding. He noticed a few Sundays in a row that about the time that light would go out, I would start to close the message. I would call Matt and Vanessa and Bethany and John Martin, all, you know, Paul, Marcus up to the stage. And so finally Paul asked me, he said, is somebody giving you a signal that it's time to stop when, by turning that one light out? You know, Bryce was like, man, if somebody's telling my pastor to stop, I'm fixing to get on them about it. You know, I'm like, no, 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 Bryce. It just, it evidently, you know, there's something in it that after a certain period of time, it shuts down. So, and it just happens to be coinciding. Now it's about right here. Unless somebody is doing that and y'all are ready for me to stop. No, I'm kidding. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. But again, we're free from the law of sin and death because of what Jesus has done for us coming in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. Now, let's, let's do this. Let's go to Hebrews 2. I keep skipping over some stuff that I, amen, I want to get to, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Let's go to Hebrews 2. Um, so when we, when we spend time together studying the Word together, you know, there are certain things that, you know, energize us and, and encourage us and exhort us. And, and I certainly want these messages to have that tone and flavor but there are also some details here that we need to get sorted out and sometimes details take a moment and they're they can even be a bit monotonous if we're not careful I don't want this to be monotonous but again I begin tonight by saying I want to show you what the word says about this because it's the final authority amen so Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 it says this in as much Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things... He had to be made. Do you see that? He had to be made like his brethren. He had to be made. In other words, it's, it's so, I guess, interesting to me that, that people insist on arguing that Jesus did not become fully man when he came to this earth. When the Bible says in order for him to do for us what he came to do for us, he had to be made Flesh. He had to become flesh. Amen. Are you still with me? Let me, I got to put the brakes on right here. All right, so two things that we see tonight, all right? And I say see, the first one is here. If Jesus 
came to this earth as God with just a little bit of skin over him, there would be no way to kill him. You can't kill God. In order for him to die for us, he had to become one of us to die. The other one is, again, very simple. I mean, we'll get into some details, but the other one is very simple. James, let me show it to you right here. James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. So if He was God, He would have been immune to temptation. Temptation would have been laughable to Him. Temptation would have bounced off of him like a BB bouncing off a boxcar. It would have had no effect on him. It would have not phased him one bit. But see, what Jesus did for us, he died for us. But before he died for you, he was tempted like as we are in the flesh. In order to be tempted, sin had to be an option for Jesus. In order for sin to be an option for Jesus, Jesus had to become a man. If Jesus was just God, sin would have not even been an option. And if sin wasn't an option, He would not have been tempted. And He was faking it then when He was tempted. Are you understand what I'm saying? If If there was no temptation to turn the stones into bread, if there was no temptation to bow his knee to the devil to receive the keys to the kingdoms of this world. If there was, are you following what I'm saying? If there was no temptation, then he was just going through the motions, phoning it in, being a phony, being a fake, and we know that he wasn't. Let's get back over in here. So verse 17, it's not just that he was, it was that he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. The Lord said something to me weekend before last. I was actually listening to some praise and worship music and working out in the yard, and I was just meditating on this idea of Jesus being the one who took the place in death and punishment for all of us. And on one hand, it's like, okay, so you got one man who died for billions of people. And you think, well... Again, I'm just giving you some insight into just me meditating on this, asking the Lord about it, having a conversation in my heart and mind with Him about it. And man, He just, as He often does, man, He just, whoo, I had to stop there and just, you know, take my glasses off, wipe my eyes for a minute. He said it had to be one man who was more undeserving than all of the billions combined were deserving. Did you catch that, right? Jesus deserved it less than we all deserved it put together and then some. 
That's why him sacrificing himself for all of us was enough to pay the debt. Amen. Amen. Settled. That's what this word propitiation means. It means that he settled the debt. He appeased the wrath. He took the bullet, the punishment that we all deserved. One sacrifice for all sins for all time. Thank you, Lord. For in that, verse 18, He Himself has suffered being tempted. We're going to come back to this word in a moment. And, and this word does mean what you think it means, but it also means more. It doesn't just mean that He underwent or endured temptation, but... The key, def, the key meaning of this word is he experienced it. Okay? He experienced it. And what is this passage telling us? He experienced temptation not as God, but he experienced temptation as a man. Because if he had been God, it would have been impossible for him to experience temptation because temptation is something that God is, is above. He is not affected by. Amen? All right, now, turn with me, stay in the book, Hebrews, but let's go over a couple of chapters to chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and let's look at, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's go to verse 14, I'm sorry. Yeah, 14. Yes, sir. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. I only have 15 and 16 on the slide, but I want to read 14 to you. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, again, I told you this was the piece of a bigger puzzle, and ultimately we're talking about walking by faith and not by sight. To walk by sight is to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. Or to align your thoughts, your words, and your actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. But to walk by faith is to align your thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said, even if there is no evidence in your life to support that it's true. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can't see yet. How do we know it's true? Because God said it. If God said it's true, it's true. Even if there is nothing in the physical sense realm yet to support that it's true. So, see, people say, I believe when I see it. Well, you'll never see it. That's not faith. Faith says, I believe it because God said it, even though I can't see it right now. So what people do, instead of aligning their thoughts, words, and actions with, with what God has said, they go over to, shift over to, aligning their thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. And as long as we do that, we, we, we're, we're basically putting the most valuable player that we've been given to, to succeed in life as far as your, I say most valuable player, the Holy Spirit, obviously the Word of God. In terms of the gift that God has given you of faith, He's given you faith. And the Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. If you want to win in life, learn how to do life by faith. Any area of your life you want to keep losing in, just leave faith out of it and you'll keep losing. Okay? So faith is how we win, but... 
when we align our thoughts, our thinking, our words, our, how we talk, and what we do with the way things look, seem, and feel instead of God's Word, we're basically putting faith on the bench. Instead of getting faith in the game involved, the most valuable player, so to speak, like a, I guess I've been watching too much basketball with John Mark, you know, playoffs. You know, you, uh, you know Kyrie Irving and what's Hayward, I don't know, the young guy, you know, so good at Boston, you know, those guys are hurt on the bench. And they're still beating the Cavaliers and LeBron James. What if they had those two guys? So two of their best players still on the bench. You follow what I'm saying, right? Just pray for me. We're a Celtics fan from way back. All right, so anyway. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so <clears throat> if you pull for somebody else, you can still go to heaven with me. It's all right. All right, so. But again, aligning your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel is the equivalency of just benching your faith. Like most valuable player, one of the most valuable players on the team, you'd go to the bench. So we're learning how to live by faith. So notice that he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Because when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said and begin to, again, if you've aligned your thoughts, words, and actions, that means you're thinking by his stripes, I am healed, I was healed, I am healed. You're saying that out of your mouth, you're confessing it, and you're aligning your actions with it. But the idea here is that we have to hold on to that until we see the promise come to pass. So what happens is people take a stand of faith, they believe God, they pray, they agree, they're all excited, they quote the Bible, but then when it doesn't happen immediately, they gradually shift back over. They turn loose of their confession and they shift back over to aligning their thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. So he says we've got to focus on Jesus who was on this earth but has passed back through the heavens. He's seated at Father's right hand. He is the high priest of our confession, meaning he is confessing there before the Father what we're confessing here upon the earth. And if we will persevere in faith, we will reap in due season if we faint not. Amen. So what the tests, trials, and temptations are about, my brothers and sisters, is Satan applying pressure to you to try to get you to realign your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel away from what God has said, even though there's no evidence yet to say that it's true. That was about six sermons compacted into about six minutes, all right? Now, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. It doesn't say he was tempted in all points as God is. It says he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. If he was tempted in all points as God is, there would, no, there would be no reason to add the all-important yet without sin because it would be a given. If he was God and tempted, he would not have sinned because God cannot be tempted by evil, right? Yes, are you following me? So he was tempted in all points as we are. And aren't you glad yet without sin? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So grace is when God shows you favor that you do not deserve. All right? 
I like to define these words simply, okay? If you would just plug in, some of you already know what I'm going to say, all right? But mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. See, sometimes we put ourselves in places we shouldn't put ourselves in, amen? Sometimes we, we, we get ourselves in situations in our own choosing, and now, right, we, we need God to help us, and sometimes we, we're too embarrassed to ask Him to help us, we're too embarrassed to, you know, because we got ourselves in this, we think we got to be man enough or woman enough to get ourselves out. No, 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 no. God says, if you'll come boldly to his throne, even if you've got yourself in a place where you shouldn't be, made some choices you shouldn't have made, doing some things for some people you shouldn't be doing, if you'll cry out to him, even in that, he will show you mercy in the sense that you sowed some seeds that now you've got a bad harvest coming, but he's going to give you what you don't deserve in that situation. That's mercy. Grace is when he gives you what he does give you what you Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you do get what you don't deserve. Amen. It's when he just shows goodness to you. And notice he says that we need to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help, to, find, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I'm not, listen to me please, I'm not trying to exclude any area of need in your life because there is mercy and grace to be found because He gives grace to the humble and even more grace, right? He's just like that. He's a generous, giving God. It's His nature. He is love and grace is God expressing Himself. Amen to you and to me, all right? Um, and so I'm not trying to say, like, for instance, you know, any other area of need in your life is being excluded here. I got to come down here with you for a minute, all right? Oh, Holy Spirit's just showing me something right quick, okay? Let me, let's, let's just, let me give you what I got and then we'll finish, okay? The context of this passage, the need that he's talking about is the need that you and I have when we're being tempted, right? When the heat is on, when the pressure is on. Now, some of you weren't here for this part, so let me quickly go back. Because you say, well, Pastor Mark, so I'm only to go boldly to the throne to find grace, mercy, and find grace to help in time of need if the need is only that I'm being tempted. So I can't go to find that help if I'm sick, or I can't go to find that help if I'm confused, or I can't go to find that help if I, ha if I have a financial need. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Listen to me, please. How does God bring healing to us? He sends His Word and He heals us. How does God prosper us financially? He gives us wisdom on paying our tithes and giving and planting financial seed. Given it will be given unto you. In other words, He has spelled out in His Word all the different things that you and I need to take into our heart, say out of our mouths, and practice by faith in order to receive healing in our bodies, in order to receive financial increase into our bank accounts, in order to receive wisdom 
wisdom when we are confused, in order to receive peace when everything seemingly is falling in around us. Praise God. He's told us what to do. He's told us what to confess. He's told us to speak to the mountain. He's told us to do everything we know to do to stand. And when we've done everything that we know to do to stand, to keep standing. Because if you do not faint in due season, you will reap. Right? So the only need that you and I really have as born-again believers, whether you understand this or not, is the need to keep standing when the pressure is on us to turn loose of God's Word and line back up with the way things look, seem, and feel. It's not that this is leaving out everything else. This is at the root of everything else. Right? Because if you hold to the Word of God by faith, it's got to change. It's got to change. Pastor Lawrence, we call him Rev, he got stirred up one day, missed two or three years ago, and he was talking about when the prophet sent his servant, remember it hadn't rained for a long, long time, and he declared that it was going to rain, and he sent his servant. Um, he prayed, and he told him to go look for the rain cloud, and he came back, he says, there's no rain cloud. And so we seen him again, he, he, he says, go look again. He came back, he said, there's no rain, rain cloud. And, th- and you know what the prophet said? He said, there can't be no rain cloud. It can't be that there's not a rain cloud. So go look again. See, you go look once, you go look twice, you know, you think, man, look, this, you're just beating a dead horse here, God's mad at us, this don't, faith stuff don't work, all this believing stuff that they talk about down there at Heritage, we just need to go back to our old way of thinking and doing, and blah, 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 right? He came back the second time and said, still no rain, sir. He said, there can't be no rain. Go look again. I heard Brother Copeland say this the other day. He said, every time, every time we pray for healing, healing comes. He said, it's not always received, but it always comes. Amen? Amen? It is good, ain't it? Praise God. That's why I gave him credit for it. I feel bad if I said it like I said it myself. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> what did Brother Jerry O'Dell say? The first time... Brother Copeland said it. The second time, somebody said it. third time, I said it. But anyway, no. Amen. Amen. We give him credit. Praise God. It comes every time. It's not always received, but every time. Can't be no healing. Can't be no healing. If we prayed in agreement, in alignment with, with God's Word, God cannot lie. Right? 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 So every temptation you face is simply the devil trying to use circumstances and situations around you, even other people if he can, to apply pressure to you to get you to back down from a position of faith that you have previously taken concerning some need, some problem, some issue, some breakthrough desired in your life. This is why he connects the confession of faith, Jesus being our high priest, and when we're tempted like He was tempted to call upon Him to come boldly to Him for mercy and to find grace and help in our time of need. Amen? 
In other words, the next time you're feeling a little wobbly, ask Him for help. See, we, want to act, see we, we instead try to put our best foot forward, right? Somebody worrying about something, you know they're worrying about something, you try to encourage them, you know. You say, hey, man, brother, don't, don't worry about that, man. God's, God's taking care of you. I'm not worrying. First thing we say, right? I'm not worrying because we're afraid we're going to look bad in front of somebody. What we should say is humble ourselves because God gives grace to who? The humble, right? Man, you, you, you're right. Please, please forgive me for, for being worried about that. Father, I shouldn't worry. I'm taking care that, I, that, 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 that doesn't belong to me and, and I'm going to cast the care of this over on you and I need you to help me with this. See the difference there? Because what's the devil trying to do? He's trying to put pressure on you, trying to get you all worried, trying to get your faith out of kilter, trying to get you lined up with the way things look, seem, and feel. Don't deny it. Don't say, no, it's like, man, I'm growing, Father. Help me, Lord. Be a little wobbly down here, Father. Need a little mercy, need a little grace. Jesus, you know what it's like to be in a position like this, being pulled away from what your Father said. You know exactly what I'm dealing with right now, and I thank you for helping me and, 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 for, and for giving me aid and comfort and mercy and grace. I'm telling you, that's where our help comes from, right? Amen. Can I, can I give you one more? Turn over to Hebrews 5, and I'll finish right here. I have no idea how long I've been preaching, but I know it's about time. Amen. Hebrews 5 is the light. Amen. The light's still, the light's on, right? So, <laughs> preach till it goes out. No, I'm kidding. All right. Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, let's look at verse number 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. Let me just put the brakes on right here, okay, and we'll just make a comment or two. The offices that we see in the Old Testament involve the office of a king, the office of the priest, and the office of the prophet. Okay? Now, kings were anointed by God, empowered with a measure or a portion of God's Spirit to function in the office of king. Okay? And I like to simplify things. You probably figured that out already. So kings, above all else, were anointed by God, obviously to rule, to rule over and lead His people. But kings were anointed by God to make declarations, to declare things. Now, the prophet and the priest had almost a ministry that dovetailed in the sense that the prophet spoke on God's behalf to the people. So the prophet would represent God 
to God's people. The priest would represent God's people to God. So the prophet would speak for God to the people. The priest would speak to God for the people. Are you seeing this? So he says that the priests were taken from among men so that they would know what it's like to be a man so that they could have mercy on people, compassion on people. Are you you following what I'm saying here? I I put my pants on one rich's leg at a time just like any of you in here that put on pants. Amen. The Bible says Elijah, a man of like passions. I'm not trying to get all crazy on you, but that means, you know, if, 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 a, if, a, if a woman walked down the sidewalk in front of Elijah with a, with a tight pair of jeans on, he had to lift his eyes up just like any other man, right? He was subject to those temptations of the flesh. A man of like passions, like as we are. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. And so the priests, in order to be a good priest, had to be taken from among the people so that they would know what it was like to be. Therefore, when they represented the people before God, they're able to say, hey, you know, a little help down here, Father. Don't forget our frame is but dust. Don't forget that we're not making excuses for See, one of, the, one of the problems we have today in the, in the body of Christ is that, is that leadership has a tendency to try to put themselves in a, posi- a position above everybody else, like they're better than everybody else, like they're not, no, 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 we're we all in this together, come on now, amen, we're all learning and growing together. You ever find a perfect church just tiptoe on past it, don't even make a sound, don't you dare go in there, you'll mess it up. I promise you, if I ever find a perfect one, I'll just, thank God, we'll see y'all all in heaven, right? There's no such thing, that's what I'm saying, no such thing, we're all growing Man, I was, there's something about this 20th anniversary that's just stirring in me. I mean, the Lord is, I, it, I wasn't expecting it. I, mean, I just tend to thank Him for the past 20 years and thank Him for, I'd never been a pastor when I, 20 years ago, you know, I mean, so I just, I'm still, I'm learning. He's letting me learn on the job and y'all been so patient with me and I still, I made some mistakes now. I'm, oh, sweet Jesus, I made some. Um, amen, but we, amen, He's helping me, right? And, um, but man, he's, he started talking to me about the future. And uh, I'm, we're going to talk about that probably first Sunday in June. But anyway, um, because the priest was speaking on behalf of the people to God, had to have somebody who knew what it was like to be a man. And of course, he's trying to point out to us that Jesus, in its own down in the in the passage, that Jesus also was subject to weaknesses like you and me. Now, he never sinned, but he had those same uh, desires. Did Jesus have testosterone? Yes, he did. You see what I'm saying? In other words, this idea that he just kind of walked about two feet off the ground the whole time he was here and nothing ever phased him and nothing, no, 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 no. He was tempted and tested and tried just like you and me. That's why when you come to him now after having had this experience. See, that's, 
this is what, we'll get there next week. But just hear me, please. The Bible says he learned. He suffered. He experienced it. Everything in you is screaming, do what your flesh wants to do. And yet your heavenly Father is saying, please don't do that. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. It'll hurt you. Now, you can make all these arguments in the world, but what God said, and we're going with what He said tonight, amen? And every night, every moment, every day. God said, until Jesus came and experienced that, He had no idea what it was like. But now He does. Now He does. So what does this mean? Jesus is who's high priest now? Mine and yours. We have not just a high priest, capital H, capital P, but he also happens to be the third member of the Godhead representing us, speaking on our behalf, representing our faith confession in heaven for us. And he knows what it's like to be under the gun. That's why we can ask him for help, and he's right there to help you, on the spot to help you. Amen. Stand with me, please. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Makes me love him more and more, amen? Makes me love him more and more. Father, we come to you tonight in the conclusion of this service to say thank you for loving us. Father, help us know you. Lord, we've, we've listened to what other people have said, and Lord, we've, we've listened to, uh, you know, people who've so religiously minded and judgmental and critical and, Lord, they say things about you that just simply aren't true. You're our loving Heavenly Father, and you sent Jesus down here to do a lot of things for us. And one of the things you sent him down here to do was to bring back to heaven somebody who understands what it's like to live as a human being on planet Earth. Thank you for that, Father. So, Lord, whatever anybody in this room may be going through tonight, whatever area in their life the Word of God may be, being challenged in, something in their physical body, something even pertaining to, Lord, there's some folks maybe in here tonight, Father, aren't even sure that you're there anymore. Maybe they're not even sure about this whole even loving Heavenly Father thing. Lord, I thank you that you're, even in this area where your words have been tested in their hearts and lives, we can pray that prayer that the man prayed in the Bible about his son. Father Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And even that kind of prayer, Jesus, is one that you understand because you know what it is to have your faith challenged and tested and yet without sin. So, Father, as we go our separate ways tonight, I thank you for your hand upon each one of our lives. I boldly declare that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue that rises against us to judge or condemn us, Lord, will be condemned. The lies of the enemy, the accusations of the enemy. I thank you, Father, that you direct our steps. You order our ways. You're revealing yourself to us, Father, that as we, Lord, take the faith that you've given us and begin to use it to the best of our ability, Father, you meet us in that moment and you begin to teach us and lead us and reveal to us things that have been hidden uh, to us uh, perhaps our entire lives. And so thank you tonight for the great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen and amen. Love you all. Thank you for being here. Good things coming. Good things coming. We'll see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.